0: Hello and welcome to the Limitless Landscapers podcast. I'm Charlotte and as always I am Paula and today we are here to talk to you about the three biggest mistakes landscapers make in their business. But as you know with the coronavirus a lot of things have been affected and one of which is Paula's daughter's school.
1: Yes so I'm coming to you today um, just so you know it's all real because my daughter is currently at home. She has sat in on this podcast probably learning a thing or two and um, So if you
0: hear any noises... Yeah, apologies. It's the coronavirus. (laughs)
1: Um, But in all seriousness, obviously I hope everybody is still working, still grafting. I mean, hopefully we'll still be able to work. We'll be outside most of the time. So fingers crossed, all will be well. Um, We're still carrying on. Um, We're still doing the podcast regularly and we will be online. And as we work from home we are able to be in the office for any questions and help you may want so if you are getting worried about how it might affect your business if you want some support some advice just basically someone's there we are here for you as the co-founders of the landscaper circle we help you get more money time and freedom to become limitless Through our experiences as fellow landscapers and our tried and tested methods, if you want help with your marketing, managing or growing your business, you've definitely come to the right place. If you're a landscaper, garden designer or supplier to the industry, then hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, let's get back to the show.
0: So we have the three mistakes. So number one we were talking about is underpricing. And by by that I mean I think we've all been guilty in the past.
1: Maybe not so much if you've got a more established business um, now, but
0: um, certainly when I've spoken to fellow landscapers, um, they're not charging enough. No, and that can cause real issues, especially if they then want you have got no one booked in and you want to offer them a discount and you can't. There's no.
1: Well, there's there's two things I feel on this side of things. What Charlotte's just said, where they. Um, can't you can't even budge on price if price is an issue and you want to discount in any way um, I personally wouldn't but that's again up to you and your business how your business runs but it's also the difference between longevity of your business and whether it goes bust because ultimately if you're not making enough profits and if you're not covering the costs that your business incurs then you haven't got a business really
0: yeah, and I think it's a trap that a lot of landscapers fall into, where they're trying to compete with their competitors on price, and it ends up a lose-lose for everyone involved.
1: Yeah, and I sometimes I believe everyone thinks their competitors are the people around them in their local area. Well, I don't believe in that per se, not for my landscaping business and for a lot of you guys, it won't be just the people that are around you. You need to look at, really, if I was you, I would look at doing a competitor analysis, maybe finding out what people are charging, speak to your customers, see who keeps quoting against you and see what makes you different to them, what makes you better than them and see if you can capitalise on those things to get the customer to say yes and buy into you regardless of price because I don't believe the cheapest is the best. pay cheap, you pay twice. We all know this.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. And I think it kind of then falls into the second mistake which is overpromising. So if you're doing both of those things underpricing and overpromising you're in real trouble.
1: Yeah and overpromising comes in two ways I think um, it starts all with the beginning of the customer journey and if you are interested we've just released a topic completely on customer journeys and how to make yours the best it can be so go check that out at thelandscaperscircle.co.uk but ultimately it starts with that first inquiry Um, and it's all about setting expectations um, and over delivering really because what we tend to do is we overpromise and then under-deliver. And that is a big mistake for us because the first way you overpromise is you say they'll have their quote very quickly and maybe you get stuck on a job or maybe you fall ill or maybe you have lads phoning sick so you don't actually have that day in the office, you have to be on site and then the quote gets delayed and immediately you've under-delivered on that very thing that you promised. Um, So it all begins with that initial inquiry and managing the customer's expectations, but also making sure you can deliver to it.
0: Yeah, and I think it's very important. And also saying things that you think will be fine in the moment, like you've just said, but then they're not after. So for example, oh, we'll definitely be there Thursday and you're not there Thursday because of other issues that you can't control. So it's just making sure that you can actually stick to what you're promising them.
1: And I think this is uh, pretty important in light of today's, um, well, national outbreak of coronavirus because ultimately you are now going to have to be managing um, any inquiries with caution because if you fall ill or your workers fall ill or you have to go into self-isolation, you need to be able to, again, manage that customer's expectation and again also act in a responsible manner and if they you know, you should be putting out there that if they feel ill, then they should be contacting you to reschedule the site visit um, at a later date. Um, so again, it's all about expectations. It's all about not over-promising what you can't really do. So it's all about responsibility, expectations, and making sure you're not over-promising everything. And it doesn't just go with the customer journey, quote, inquiry section of the game. It is also when you're actually on the job and the customer is saying when will it be done and you feel forced to give them an exact time frame because I'm telling you now, that will bite you on the bottom.
0: Yeah, and also kind of over-promising in the sense of if you're on the job and they decide they want extra stuff done, whether you can do that straight away or whether it will have to be after. Yeah, because you've got other clients
1: that you're also trying to manage their expectations so you have to obviously be mindful that... If you promise them, yes, they can have everything done straight away, they can have all the extra work done, and then you're late for the, the next customer, that leaves a bad taste in your other customer's mouth. Really. And even
0: with the price of the extra work, don't just give them a rough figure off the, off the top of your head when talking, because that can really bite you in the bum as well. If you say 600, and then you actually work out and it's about a grand, if you go to them with that, they're going to be like, well, no, you told me 600. So I would always recommend as well just saying i'll oh, have a look and i'll give you a price with you know within whatever the realistic time frame is
1: yeah it's just making sure that you are not bullied into a position to say i mean we've all been there when we go to site visits uh, customers are very cagey about their budget um a lot of them won't come out right and give you their budget so why on the flip side when you're doing the work for them or you're in talks about the work should you be pushed to give them exact information on the day particularly like if they ask you when you're on a site visit how much is it going to cost i would personally say look i'll go away and come back to you with a full specification rather than be pushing to oh it's about ten thousand pounds or whatever because they will hold you to it no matter how much they say i won't hold you to it this is just a ballpark figure i personally would not get into that i would make sure again that you are just erring on the side of caution because we all know what customers are like Yeah I think that's part of the mistakes landscapers can make as well is verbally giving information and I mean like pricing because that's all the customers generally interested in.
0: Yes because I think one of the crucial things is getting stuff on written communication.
1: Oh my goodness yeah because there is a epidemic of customers that don't like to pay and they'll use any reason in the book not to pay even if you've done a really good job even if you've basically work to what they want giving them extra they will still hold money back I know there's a few of you in this situation at the moment and what you're trying to do is alleviate the risk to yourself so um, many landscapers probably don't write their terms conditions down and deliver that um, along with a quote but when you when they want to confirm and book in I highly recommend get an assigned quotation specification back um, a signed copy of the terms conditions back And anything else that you think, it just cements that contract between you and the customer because what you don't want is if it does go to court or they're not paying you and you've got nothing in writing, you've got nothing to back
0: up that they've agreed to that. Because they can easily turn around and say, you told me that extra bit was going to be 600 but you want evidence to show that you didn't do that. So as we've said, don't say anything in person, make sure it's on email written communication just to save yourself really
1: yeah and even if you're in front of the customer and they're asking you know want this extra how much would it be and you say right i'll get a price over to you you can always say to them look i'd rather just get it i'll send you it by email just so you can write back reply and confirm that you're happy with the price and happy with the works um then it keeps both of you happy because ultimately they know what they're getting and you know what you're going to deliver upon Um, And there's no question if it comes to non-paying that they can query it unless you've done something incorrect in the installation then. Um, But if you've got all your ducks in a row, if you've got all your paperwork signed, it makes it a lot easier to get customers to complete the contract and pay. And, yeah, just basically protects you and your business, which is the key here, particularly in these times which are quite uncertain. I think it's even more important now that when you are getting work you're getting things signed off and you're not just running in there, maybe anxious, maybe worried, um, and you're saying things off the cuff. Um, I think, yeah, just get everything in writing. And the key to that is a VOC, a variation on contract. Any extra work you get asked to do when you're on site and started the job, you need to get one of these forms filled in. Um, If you want one, contact us because I've got a copy, I've got a template um, that I can send you. It's uh, info at thelandscaperscircle.co.uk. But that is key, and you should always have some in the vans for the lads to have access to when they're on a job and a customer asks them to do extra work, whatever that may be.
0: Yes, and that's the the second mistake, as we spoke about, over-promising. And then the third is really under-delivering. And by that, I mean there's the
1: concept of overpromising, where you promise the earth, And then there's the under-delivery of that. So if you've promised them their quote's going to be there within 24 hours of you seeing them and it doesn't get there till three days after you've seen them, then you're already under-delivering on on the service. Uh, Similarly, if you are installing a patio and the attention to detail is not quite on point, again,
0: it could be construed as under-delivering on the contract. Definitely. And again, having those realistic expectations of what you can and can't do and managing that through your customer journey is crucial, not just to save yourself, but to reduce your stress as well.
1: Oh, yeah, because it's highly stressful. I mean, we've all been there. Um, You're on site, you're doing extra work, you're rushing around, you're trying to fit other customers in, you know, you've got lots of site visits in the pipeline, you know, you're going to have to deliver quotes to those site visits that you've been to see there's a lot of stress and at the end of the day you just need to start looking at what you're promising your customers whether you need to tweak it whether you need to be a bit more realistic with yourself and what you can um, deliver upon and then look at ways that you are possibly under delivering whether that's on service quality or price I mean even to um, give a customer a rock bottom price you're not really delivering because you won't be able to install to the highest standard you want to because it's going to cost you too much money so in that way you're under delivering to that customer what they want so think about that in your pricing particularly when you're a bit worried about putting your prices up because um you've got to just believe that you are delivering the best service you can possibly deliver to your customers and if you can't afford to do that then it's not going to work you are essentially under delivering to them
0: Yeah, and I think my final point on that is there's a big misconception that by increasing your prices, you're going to get less people in the door, but that isn't necessarily the case, and I would always market it as you adding value by increasing your prices, focusing on the fact of, you know, we're installing to these really high standards, um, which increases the price, rather than just saying we're increasing our prices, if you give them that value and that reason behind it, then no one really has an issue.
1: No, and I think that's it. When you are increasing your prices, make sure you, one, know your break-even points in your business, know your numbers. Again, we cover that in a blog um, on the Landscape Circle. And then also look at ways that you can increase adding value. So then look at ways you can increase value because you can also add value in so many other ways by just showing them that you are part of um, a good trade association Um, maybe that's the APL or barley and the kind of peace of mind benefits that a client will get just knowing that you're part of these associations and they've got the backing of them, should there be an issue, because that's also in the back of every customer's mind. What will happen if there's an issue? And again, in your terms and conditions, have you got a complaints policy in there? You should do, and it should be within your terms um and conditions of your contract with that customer, just to protect again both of you from miscommunication and grievance. So yeah, they're the kind of the three
0: the three big mistakes um landscapers make in the industry. Um, and I think that about wraps up our podcast. We do have someone who wants to say a message. What would you like to say to all the landscapers out there?
1: Can you say
0: it with me? I am Ava Lily. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Thank you Ava Lily for the help us this today.
1: Yeah, and um, let's hope everyone keeps working, keeps your head, don't get stressed. Again, like I say, give us a shout if you need any help, support, advice... In this uncertain times, I'm still keeping positive. I'm sure you yeah, are, yes, Shar. Yeah,
0: um,
1: We're still working hard, and as always, we do have a five-day free trial to the Landscaper Circle. Just type in the code five <laughs> free at checkout and access all our topics. Five free. If you are at home for an extended period, it's the best way. to basically work on on your business get it to the point where look at your pricing look at your customer journey look at which ways you can market when we come out of this um well i hate calling it this but when we come out of this crisis you'll be stronger better and you'll be way more resilient so actually positives outweigh the negatives really
0: definitely so thanks guys we'll see you next week
1: see you later